Today's show is brought to you by Rich Nutrients, New Zealand's premier provider of nutrient-dense whole food products. One of my current favourites is their organic beef and turmeric bone broth powder. And the reason for that is it's so convenient, you don't have to go through the whole process of actually making bone broth. And it's super tasty. If you visit their page, richnutrients.co.nz, click onto the shopping page and you'll find a Best Me tab. Under this tab you'll find all of the products that I use and recommend. Now as a Best Me listener, you have the opportunity to receive 10% of all orders over $30, which is a pretty decent discount. All you have to do is enter the Best Me discount code at the checkout, which in one word is Best Me, all in capitals. I hope you enjoy their products as much as I do. You can also find me at HealthFit Collective, which is exactly how it sounds, a collective of health and fitness practitioners, including physiotherapy, psychology, nutrition, we have movement coaches, personal trainers, massage, and much more. Our goal is to guide your dreams to reality, and we do this both within the club and online, offering tailored health plans, small group training, specialist services, corporate wellness, and education. So please go along and visit the page healthfitcollective.co.nz to find out more. You can also book a free 30-minute consultation with no strings attached. Welcome to Best Me Radio. I'm your host, Carl Hammington, and I talk to experts in many areas, including movement, psychology, nutrition, as well as other inspiring people who have done extraordinary things, all in an attempt to provide you with the information, inspiration, and tools that will empower you to step into the best version of yourself. Welcome to episode one of Best Me Radio. Yay. (laughs) Now, before we get to the show, just an update on what's going on with me and with Best Me in general. Firstly, I've been gearing up for the release of this podcast, which I'm super excited about, a little bit nervous too. Um, I've pre-recorded about eight episodes now with many exciting guests, but whoa, have I learned a lot, uh, both from the amazingly knowledgeable and inspiring guests, but mostly around the interviewing process itself. Uh, I really feel like I've come a long way from this episode to the latest. So please excuse a few hiccups, a few ums and ahs uh, during the first few uh, interviews and just immerse yourself in the amazing content. The guests are incredible. Um, and, and feel free to give me any feedback as I you know, plan to keep refining this process. Now, secondly, as a result of these interviews, I'm playing around with many health things myself on all levels to you know, continually step into a better version of myself. Uh, but one thing in particular that's really stood out and really jumped out to me and I feel very passionate about already is um, foraging. So I have to say I love everything about this. Uh, for one, I feel more connected with my food. I love the movement element, often out in bare feet and the elements. It feels so cool. Uh, but in particular, I just love the feeling of providing tasty, nourishing food for the family. And it's really allowed me to experiment with my cooking, which is, as, as many of you know, a, a huge passion of mine. So the last trip, I came back with a huge shopping bag. This is over an hour and a half, by the way, a huge shopping bag full of wild herbs, leaves, flowers, berries, and even some seaweed. And I made some epic salads and some really tasty and nourishing teas. I made this incredible salad, uh, and I feel like flavor-wise, it was so perfectly balanced. It had, you know, this yummy bitter flavor from some of the greens. It had sweet from these uh, these little berries. It had a peppery taste from some of the nasturtium flowers, um, and it even had a salty, a salty, a little bit of salt from some sea spinach I, I gathered. It's so good, and I hope you get the opportunity to do the same here. Anyway. Please enjoy today's episode with Grant, such a cool guy with so much knowledge, so much wisdom, Uh, but I'd suggest getting a notebook to jot down some of these uh, things we talk about and perhaps practice some of the tools that he provides. For those who work with me already, uh, you'll probably have a bit of a laugh as I'm always ranting on about, you know, the autonomic nervous system being the key to wellness. Um, And I feel like this is really reinforced in this interview. Uh, we dive right into this, and he, I'm sure he explains it far better than I do. So enjoy. Okay, welcome back, Best Me community. Today we have a good friend of mine, and I know him on a personal level and a professional level, and I respect him on both levels, um, Grant Susalu. Grant is, has an extensive background in the field of psychology, positive psychology, applied physics, and computer engineering. He is a qualified TQM trainer and has achieved Master Practitioner Certification in the Behavioural Sciences of NLP and Advanced Behavioural Modelling. Grant is a graduate coaching diploma in the newly emerging field of authentic happiness coaching. 
Grant is the creator of MBIT, uh, the multiple brain integration technique. We're going to dive into this a little bit today. He's also the author of Using Your Multiple Brains to, to Do Cool Stuff. Love that title. Avoiding the Enemies to Happiness and Loving Your Life. So me and Grant actually met doing the Hefe track, uh, well, just before the Hefe track a couple of years ago. Um, and we got on really well. And we basically talked the meaning of life to about uh, two o'clock in the morning every single evening. Um, so I got to know Grant really well. Probably one of the most intelligent and compassionate people I've ever met. Um, and I really respect uh, what he says. And he's got really good intention behind what he does. Um, so welcome, Grant. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Carl. Thank, thanks for that lovely intro. And I do remember rocking up before the hippie trail to your place. You were so gracious. Uh, there's a couple of people you'd never met before suddenly <laughs> invading your home and sleep, oh, it's great. sleeping on, on your floor and uh, you know, talking to all hours and then getting out and hiking yep. the hippie. Sharing a good uh, glass of red wine, I think, as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Australian we didn't, red, we didn't get enough. We didn't get enough red wine in the um, on the Heapy Trail, though. No, <laughs> I agree. Wait on, our, on, our, on our backpacks, kind of included um, that. So. By the way, I don't know about you, but um, that was an amazing experience, and I'd recommend everyone uh, experience the Heapy Track. It was incredible. Yeah, that's some great tramping. That mm. was a really beautiful part of the world. So if mm. you haven't gone and seen the Heapy, walk the Heapy. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> Um, is there anything else I need to add to your uh, extensive profile there? Have I missed anything? Um, yeah, so uh, now you've, you've hit it hit it there. I think you hit the high points of the, you know, my many and varied careers. Yes. Uh, so, got numerous degrees, but for me it's more about the pragmatics, not about the theory. Exactly. Uh, theory needs to inform you know, implications and applications in your life. And so if you can't do something with it, well, you know, it's, it's just a head trip as far as I'm concerned. And that... You know, the idea or the word, you know, the, the neurolinguistics of it's just a head trip. Mm -hmm. um, you know, at the end of this uh, interview, I hope the listeners will, will have some new insights on hearing that sort of neurolinguistics because as neuroscience, as you know, the, the book Embraining and uh, co-creating the field of MBIT, which stands for Multiple Brain Integration Techniques, um, is that neuroscience has uncovered over the last five years to ten years that we actually have complex functional adaptive neural networks or what are functional brains. They meet all the technical um, definitions of brains in our heart and our gut region. So, you know, when people talk about having gut wisdom and gut intelligence and their, you know, their gut's talking to them, it's literally true. And we actually have a complex adaptive neural network, a brain in our gut. It's got 500 million neurons. It's the size of a cat's brain or a dog's brain. Um, so if you know how intelligent a, a pet is, a cat or a dog is, and you'll know that's the sort of intelligence level you've got in your gut. It's pretty damn intelligent. Mm. It does a lot of good things for you. We'll talk about that, you know, um, especially in terms of uh, how do you create the best you in your life? How do you do mm -hmm. talking in a previous conversation? You know, it's not about best me um, as if that's a snapshot in time. It's about best me-ing. It's a process. You know, how do you do me? How do you do the best me uh, across your life? And in order to do that, you need to bring all of your intuitive embodied intelligence to it, which means you've got to bring your gut brain. You've got to understand your gut brain. You've got to work with your yeah. gut brain. Know how to trust your gut brain to be able to surface the intuitive intelligence of the gut, gut wisdom. Mm -hmm. And the heart is a place of truth, of value, of, of emotion. It's got, you know, it, it, your heart is deeply important uh, in part of embodied cognition or embodied intelligence. And, uh, you know, it's, it's got a, a small brain there as well. And you've got all, our research showed that you've got to line up the head, heart, and gut. Mm -hmm. So you know, let's get our heads into the game. Let's talk yes. about this stuff so that we can, you know, <laughs> let's get, get our brains the in the game, <laughs> so that we can get to the heart of the matter. Oh, fantastic! Well, well put. Um, just to clarify, can these brains operate independently as well as in unison? Yeah, absolutely. So, in fact, you know, research on things like uh, open heart surgery, oh, it's a um, heart lung transplant, where they actually take uh, the heart and lungs of someone else put them into a, a, you know, from a donor into a recipient, they don't actually reconnect up the connections from the head brain to the heart, to the heart brain, what's called the intrinsic cardiac mm -hmm. network or heart brain. Uh, that, that brain has the ability to function completely independently. In fact, it sends more information up to the head brain. There are more nerve signals going up to the head brain from the heart brain to the head brain than from the head brain to the heart brain. So there's a stronger, you know, um, pipe, pipeline, shall we say, communications yeah. pipeline, upwards. It's why the heart has such a strong impact on human behavior. And um, it's true also of the gut. The gut brain has more signals going upwards in the vagus, what's called the vagus nerve, the vagal vagus nerve, nerve yeah. channels. Yeah, um, a really important uh, adaptive network in its own right. You know, the, the uh, autonomic nervous system that 
the vagus mm-hmm. nerve is part of, the autonomic nervous system, which does our fight and flight, and they call it the four Fs, you know, it's got the autonomic nervous system's got two arms, the sympathetic, which is the fight and flight, and mm-hmm. um, think of it as the accelerator in the car, and the parasympathetic, which is the other two Fs, which is called feeding and fornicating. Mm-hmm. It's also called rest and rep- rest and repose. It's, yeah. it's what it's I usually the, say. I think I usually say rest and digest. Yeah. Yeah, rest and digest. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's like the brake on the car, and you need the accelerator and the brake. You need to be able to, mm. to get get your car moving in times of safety, you know, or opportunity. Yep. You need to be able to bring yourself back to homeostasis, uh, and in a reciprocal fashion, take off, put off the accelerator, put on the brake. Well, this autonomic nervous system is the pipe that connects the three brains, mm-hmm. and so it itself has is in, intelligencing system. It's got you know um, adaptive processing. It's got memory. This mm-hmm. is the, the, the autonomic nervous system itself. It's like a mini brain. And it connects the other brains and it influences the mode the other brains operate in. So it's it's actually this you know, Fascinating. S- information superhighway between the three brains, yep. but it actually changes the signals. You know, I've been doing a lot of research over the last five years on um, the, the huge growth in autonomic neuroscience. They've made some amazing breakthroughs in the last five years of understanding the autonomic nervous system. And they've actually measured signals coming from the head brain the head brain's wanting to send a signal down to, you know, an end effector organ, like down to the liver, down to the spleen, down to something, um, you know, downstream in the body. In other words, something that's connected to the enteric nervous system, for mm. example, the gut brain. Yep. And uh, the head brain, they've measured the signals. And by the time the signals get down to the end organ, to the end point, the autonomic nervous system has changed them. they actually done measurable wow. changes. Wow. So, so the autonomic nervous system going, I know head brain, you want to say this. But, you know, actually, I'm monitoring the energy demands, the safety, you know, the homeostatic balance uh, of the whole of the system, taking information from the external world and yep. the internal world, world what's called interception. Uh, and by I, knowing what I know and from my memories and higher order learning that I've, ha- I've done over the course of your lifetime, I know that you, Headrun, you want to say this, but I'm going to have to change the signal to this, mm. something else, right? So the autonomic nervous system is is truly vitally important to be able to drive yeah. and connect with and influence your multiple brains. It's something you know, we'll talk about shortly because mm. it's one of the key key ways in which you will work with your multiple brains. You know, and if the autonomic nervous system is like if your if your car the accelerator is flat to the boards, yeah. right, and the engine's screaming, you can put your brake on all you like, but you know you, if you've got the brake fighting the accelerator. You're going to burn everything out, and that's what a lot of people are yep. doing in their life. You know, they don't know how to take the foot off the accelerator in their life, yeah. bring back that balance, or they end up in, in a, you know, the over, yeah, going through life with the foot on the brake too much, and they, this impacts everything, it impacts the engine, it impacts the drivetrain, wow. you know, and and that's true of, of your life, you know, so it impacts your heart, brain, and gut, brain. Yeah, you got to get it all right. It's it's like yeah. four intelligencing systems, and you got to get them. So a key a key is together. to be aware of how that. Uh, that ANS is functioning, I'm guessing. Yep. And I, I take a seminar, I don't know if this links in, but it's called um, Identifying Your Tigers. So it's looking at the potential yeah. uh, stresses or your perceived um, stresses and how that influences uh, ANS function. And yep. if you paint a, paint a picture with a, um, you know, a busy corporate lifestyle, um, you know, spend all day uh, with really strict deadlines, with social pressures, uh, work pressures, financial pressures, Living off caffeine, uh, not very nourishing food, dehydration, not exercise. Yep, yep, yep. Um, you can see There's how that will. Yeah. Yep. So that's why you're talking about that foot being on the accelerator all the time. Yep. Having your uh, yep. couple of couple of glasses or more of wine to try and you try know, and compensate and bring up. you back down yeah, again, which is actually right. another stressor. The 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 you know the um, feeding and fornicating, the mm. the rest digest, eating. Uh, food and yep. things like drugs like alcohol, which are depressants, actually, yep. uh, you know, are being used. People are self-medicating without realizing it's mm. it's they're actually trying to stimulate the parasympathetic arm of the autonomic nervous system. Mm. When they do that all day, they've been via their head brain taking yep. too much semantics, too much information, right? Yep. Having to process all that, like you said, deadlines. So all those things aren't real physical things. No. They are actually semantic things you know mm. we are we are meaning making creatures through yep. language and perceived symbol stresses yeah, not necessarily stresses, stresses yep. made out of meaning mm. right and the head brain makes up stories that's what yep. the head brain does it's a yep. narrative creating device well, i guess so it's a survival life, mechanism isn't it it is and the head mm. in our western world is run amok yeah right we've, we've actually denigrated the intelligence and wisdom 
of from the neck down, embodied cognition. <laughs> Over the yeah. last 2,000 years, you know, um, since the Gang of Three and you know, Plato, Aristotle, etc., yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Greek and Roman um, ways of thinking, philosophies, became our sciences. And the sciences led to technologies, and technologies changed our world. And so our life is now based on technologies, which come out of a philosophy of a couple of thousand years that elevates, it's the, you know, like Descartes, the, the Cartesian split, elevates the head and separates it from the body, psych mm-hmm. from soma, right? Mm-hmm. And so what we, what we end up with is we, we are meaning making creatures that have lost the connection, the deep connection into our heart intelligence and gut intelligence, you know? And now we try to reclaim it in corporate land through things like emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. Where we try to get back into say, well, it's important to have the, the intelligence of the heart because that's where mm-hmm. our emotions play yeah. out. That's where we feel emotions. If you ask somebody to, like you know, the listeners, uh, think of somebody that you truly love, somebody or something that you truly love. Like in your case, you know, you've just got a new new baby, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, the yeah. love for that baby must be absolutely immense yeah. and intense. Like you were saying, you that, you know, getting a lot of oxytocin yeah. from the heart. You can't explain it. Right? Yeah. With words, you can't explain it. Yeah. But if I ask you to, to get in touch with the feelings of love that you have for somebody or something, right? Mm. And as you feel those feelings, to so deeply, deeply get into those feelings and really, you know, sort of uh, steep yourself. The juice, steep yourself in them, right? As you feel those feelings, point to where you're feeling them. Yeah, right here. Right here in the in the heart, right? Yeah. And it's a very specific location. Mm-hmm. Like if you hold your hand on that location, hold your hand on that part, and everyone's listening to this, please do that. Yeah. Hold your hand where you feel those feelings. You'll notice it's, it's, it's kind of an exact spot. And if you moved your – just please now try – move as you feel those feelings, that real love, that deep love, with your hand on uh, above the, your heart where those feelings are or wherever you're feeling those feelings. Move your hand a couple inches up. Move it like up onto your shoulder. Does it feel right? No. No, no, it doesn't, does no. it? Now – the fact that it doesn't feel right tells you something. There's are neural circuits running between what's called the homunculus or down the central sulcus of the neocortex, right? It's a full representation of the of the body. It's called homunculus little man, right? Yeah. We have a full um, – Wilbur Penfield found, found it. Um, and it's uh, with split brain open you know, brain surgery. They, they actually stimulate bits of the brain. And they found that we've got a full mapping of the, of the body um, across you – know, for sensory and motor strips. And there are neural circuits run between that and a, a much deeper area in the limbic structures of the brain, which is the autonomic homunculus. It's only been fully discovered in the last five years by a, a researcher by the name of A.D. Bud Craig, Dr. Craig. And uh, so that mapping is in the thing called the insula and the anterior cingulate cortex, or ACC, AC for short. The insula and the AC represent a sensory motor area of the full neuroception, the autonomic neuroception of your body. The autonomic nervous system innovates 95% of every, of every system and cell in your body. It goes into bone marrow, joints, viscera, you know, skin, hair follicles. Wow. It, it regulates your temperature, your energy levels, your feeling. And um, there are these – when you hold your hand on your heart, the reason it feels, you get that feel because it's, it's creating a link between the homunculus, the sensory motor representation of the body, the motor, you know, the, yep. the somatic representation, and this deeper visceral autonomic. So when you're holding your hand over your heart, you literally you start to release. So you hold your hand on your heart, you mm. release oxytocin. It increases you know, that, that sense of bonding and love. Wow. It builds this feedback, feed-forward neural circuits. And this is a very important understanding and a deep insight for techniques for how mm. to actually get in touch with your heart and get in touch with your gut intelligence because we've – We've been trained in schools and in a, a corporate system to operate out of the head. And it's stress, 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 stress. It's deadlines and, and, yep. and you know outcomes and goals and KPIs and development. You know, yep. Go, 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 go. Yep. Accelerating change. Right? Yep. And we've been taught in schools that focus on heads to switch off from our mm. beautiful, juicy intelligence of our bodies. You know, if you go to somebody and say, "Look, I've got a gut feel something's not right," they'll look at you like, "What do you mean a gut feel? <laughs> Come on, give me the logic." Give me the spreadsheet. Tell, show me the actual data and facts about what the issue is. Yep. And you, you can't make a, a you know a, a logical decision on gut feel. Yeah. Of course, interestingly enough, the research over the last decade on decision making theory has shown that we are not fully rational beings. In the yeah. work of Professor Mazio um, on somatic market theory, uh, is that we actually and it's been really seriously well validated huge numbers of research on what's called interceptive awareness or embodied cognition mm. shown that decisions require you to have connections and utilize the heart and gut and autonomic mm. nervous 
It literally people who are blocked in that have damage to the head, bits of the head brain where you can't get those signals. Yeah, they can do IQ tests till the cows come home. Then no problem with their IQ, but they cannot make decisions. They make ineffective decisions, and that's because decision making, wise decision making, actually requires this juicy intelligence that we've been denigrating. Yeah, in the Western world, and then we self medicate with all of these toxins. Yep. You know, at the end of the day, yeah. and we end up with this life where we're we're not the best us. We're yes. not best me, yes. right? Um, because we've we've got this. You could have the best car. You could have you know the most amazing car. Pick a car you love, whatever it might be. You know, you might love Lexus or BMWs, yeah. or Ferraris or Lamborghinis. Know, pick a car, right? Um, Bugatti Veyron. You have the most <laughs> amazing high performance vehicle, but I can guarantee you, if you drive down the highway. With your foot flat on the accelerator and the foot flat on the brake yeah. so that you can do a safe speed, right? Yeah. Doesn't matter what car that is, <laughs> you are going to burn that best car out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It is going to be screwed before very long. And yeah. that's the way most people are living their lives without realizing it. Uh, not realizing yeah. that they need to learn to control the autonomic nervous yeah. system, bring their head, heart, and gut into these neural networks, yeah. these brains, into what we call in MBIT, in multiple brain integration techniques. Um, the highest expression of those yes. neural networks. That was going to be my next question. Could you talk through the uh, the highest expression of each of the uh, the identified yeah, so, brains? So, <laughs> Thank so you. So we did like three and a half years of of research. We used the neuroscience to inform behavioural modelling. We went looking at when humans were at their best, when they were performing at their best and their wisest. When, when was that? Oh, it started in 2012. It started mm. with a conversation with my um, colleague and and co-author on book Embraining, uh, Marvin Oka. Uh, one of the top NLP trainers in the world, and I, and we'd get together. We'd known each other for 25 years. We had yeah. a business together many years ago. And uh, so we'd catch up every year or so, and I'd share with him my latest research. And I've been writing a book, the Avoiding the, the Enemies to Happiness book. You know, a and, great book, uh, by the way. Just, thank you, thank you. And it's very germane to if you want to live your, your, your best yeah. you and have a um, deep happiness and joy in your life, then there are, there are enemies to happiness. And most people mm. know what they need to do to make themselves happy. They don't know that there are these insidious enemies that there are you know they are these behaviors they're doing that insidiously undermine their own happiness yeah. so it's like trying to you know run a marathon but strap a, <laughs> a like a chunk of concrete to your leg you yeah. could do all the training you want but you're going to be doing damage to your you know musculoskeletal system because you got this chunk of concrete on one leg yes. right that would be an enemy to running <laughs> success or running happiness uh, so yeah, anyway so. Uh, i was i was and doing all for this. most people anyway yeah exactly <laughs> i was doing this um uh, research on uh, on happiness uh, and look doing behavioural modelling on what makes people happy and what what stops what kills happiness mm. and uh, one of the things I kept coming across was all this stuff on the heart and the gut that people were deeply happy and filled with joy there was something happening at the gut level they would talk about you know gut gut level things and point yeah. to their gut you know, um, and express stuff that had gut neurolinguistics and lots of stuff happening at the heart level. And when I went looking into it, I found that, you know, they actually neuroscientists were st starting to uncover that the heart and gut had in intrinsic, you know, networks. It's called the enteric nervous system for the gut and the intrinsic cardiac network for the, the heart. There was a whole field of neurocardiology that had, you know, got started and a field of neurogastroenterology that had gotten started. And Professor Gershon, the, the leader mm. of the field, gastroenterology had written a book called The Second Brain, how the gut was actually our second brain. And Professor Amour, the leader of the field of neurocardiology, had said that you know the heart was a, a, a little brain and there was all this research from heart lung transplant and like just there was a plethora of research. So what I did was I used the neuroscience to inform behavioral modeling and I uh, did a common factor analysis looking at um, a huge range of sources of evidence and looking for converging, you know, um, factor analysis on this this huge source of evidence. And what we what came out of that was the prime functions and core competencies of these three brains and the three C's, they, is it? Yep, and and the <laughs> highest expressions. So what we when we looked at the core competencies, the list of competencies, and we went, well, so what is the most adaptive? If we had to pull one out of you know all of this list of competencies for the head, heart, mm. and gut brain. And by the way, the competencies fell into you know naturally fell into uh, sort of three factors or three three columns and it turned out that was linked to the autonomic nervous system that there is you know that each of the brains can operate in the sympathetic dominant mode fight wow. and flight a parasympathetic each brain individually mode, each brain individually wow. um and because the autonomic nervous system is you know this diffuse system that is the communication and control superhighway 
between the three brains, um, it, it actually influences them. So you, you can put, you actually can, it's, it's sufficiently, it's diffuse, but it's separable. So you can actually get parts of your body operating in parasympathetic mode and parts operating in sympathetic. It does go down to organ specificity, right? But generally for most people, most of their systems go into either, you know, overdrive sympathetic stressing mode or yep. uh, there's a rebound on that. They can go into, you know, a freeze mode. If you get mm. too stressed, you're going to freeze, um, with parasympathetic rebound. And, um, and then there's, you know, which is a form of depression. Yep. And so bipolar does appear, some type of bipolar appears to be, the researchers are saying, um, you know, where you've got accelerate and break, the freeze and the, the uh, accelerator, the, the sympathetic dominant, both maxed out, and then the slightest imbalance, you can imagine with your car, mm. you accelerate and brake on the slightest imbalance would cause the car to leap forward, and then it would do, you know, go back, and then it would stop. You know? So uh, this, this is like what bipolar is, and, pe- and a lot of people are kind of living a sort of a, you know, an, a non-clinical version of this mm. in their lives. They have times when they're just go, 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 a little bit manic. Other yep. times when they're feeling so flat, so depressed, yep. you know, really dragging themselves out of bed. Um, so... Of course, so what you can see it's is a pattern I see a lot. In, in yeah, the world, actually. yeah, especially in, in senior execs, and yeah. and they, they get and then eventually they realise that they've got to look after their bodies. So they come to you know <laughs> um, personal trainer. They go, oh, look, I you know help me be the best me. Um, so you go, all right, well, cool. We're going to look at you know your nutrition, and your diet. We've got to look at your exercise regime. We're going to get you doing you know some cardiovascular fitness, some core strength training, etc., some flexibility work, etc. So they start working on the body. Hmm. Um, they're still using their mind in ways that stress them out, right? Yeah, of course. They don't know how to do mindfulness and, and calming. But mostly they don't know how to work with their autonomic nervous system. Yeah. And so they, so oh. you know, you've got to not just work on the body, but you've got to work on the emotional. Yeah. Um, and, I've always said yeah. that if you don't address uh, the ANS and, and these uh, perceived stressors, then, you know, um, no matter what your goal is, whether it's, you know, weight loss, um, injury rehabilitation, pain, reduction um the ans has a huge effect on on all three of those for example yeah um, excellent you know if it's out of whack it can make you more inflammatory it can bump up your cortisol levels make it harder to you know gain muscle and and easier In to store way. fat yeah and obviously it can become a downward spiral really quickly yeah exactly exactly in fact uh, you know the research shows the autonomic nervous system really drives the bus of the mind body system because it mm. links into everything the immune system the endocrine system you know the enteric system it's just got such a huge influence across all the systems yeah. that it's quite the core driver. That's what the la- the last five years of autonomic neuroscience research is showing that it, it literally is it sets the basis of your personality. Hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 and these patterns because it's it's a learning system with memory and it, it's research has shown that it can uh, not only be conditioned but it can you can do higher order conditioning, conditioning hmm. on conditioning, learning on learning. In yeah. it, it's actually you know a complex intelligence, and so you can it in itself can you know, like your body your autonomic mm. neuroceptive system can learn patterns of behavior that you can't outthink you can do all the thinking <laughs> you want you know all the physical behavior you want but yeah. you know you've got to know how to communicate with the way it yeah. communicates and it's the same with the heart and gut each has its own prime functions its own language yeah. its own way of expressing and and that's what we explored, what, what you know, the book Embraining is about, teach yeah. you how to, to understand the autonomic nervous system, the heart brain, the gut brain, etc. So when we looked at these these brains, we found that if you looked at this list of competencies, which broke into sympathetic, parasympathetic, and what was a, a, what, you know, balanced or coherent, there's a mode in which the autonomic nervous system can work beautifully it's together, in like in harmony. Right? It's the word is coherence. It coheres through time, and it's like a laser light. It's like the difference mm. between you know, a normal incandescent bulb, which has got photons going in all directions, and you take the same number of watts, like a 100-watt light globe will light up a room. But a 100-watt laser, right, which is the same <laughs> amount of watts, but all the photons are coherent. They're all lined up mm. together. You can, you know, like burn through things nice. with that, right? Nice. It's amazing the power. <laughs> you, could, you can use a, a laser uh, to do things like eye surgery or, you know, you can shine a, a laser beam from here to uh, the, a satellite and, and bounce a signal mm. off, but you can't do that with incoherent light. You know, mm. you'd, you'd need more power in an incoherent light to be able to hit a, a satellite that you'd melt everything around it because it's putting Fantastic. out heat and light in all directions. Mm. But when you you line up all of your energy, that's what photons are, right? When you line up all of your energy in a coherent way, 
then you start to get amazing precision and power in what you can do. And that's what, uh, with the autonomic nervous system, when you can get coherence in the autonomic nervous system, a way which actually is measurable in what's called heart rate variability, you can actually... which is fascinating on its own. Yeah, exactly. You can actually see Mm. your heart um, come into a a sine wave-like pattern, this beautiful balanced pattern of sympathetic and parasympathetic working beautifully together, right, And, and in this amazing dance. And when you get that, then all that your, your other systems, your head, heart, gut, endocrine, etc., all come into this same beautiful coherent pattern, mm. and it brings out the most adaptive ways in which those neural networks operate. Now, for Fantastic. the heart, it's compassion, it's loving kindness. It's you know when you think about what the human heart does when it's doing best, it's mm. it's deep compassion. It's a sense of love and connection and kindness that recognizes we're all connected, we're all in one system, yes. and it's wanting to alleviate suffering and add value to those mm. around. It's not a selfish, you know, it's, it's, it's deeply wise, right? Or at least the yeah. wise version. Um, for the head brain, it's what we, we see around us. It's this in- incredible creativity. When the head brain is doing what it does best, it is creating new, incredible, amazing, innovative stuff, right? It's coming up with stories that add value to the world and, you know, inventing things. And, yeah. uh, look around us. Everything we've got is a, you know, a result of our amazing creativity. Yeah. We have developed and find you know, new stuff, new knowledge, new technologies, and new ways of, of doing in the world, and new ways of being in the world. Now, the, for the gut brain, uh, and this, if you, to understand the gut brain and its prime functions, you kind of got to go back to where did the gut brain evolve? So, from an evolutionary perspective, when all, simple organisms start to evolve, and they form the first tube-like, little worm-like organisms, helminths, and, you know, this is in the bottom of the sea, so, the primal sea, so mm-hmm. it was sea slugs, and, um, sea cucumbers and stuff like that. Uh, sea slugs only have an enteric nervous system. They only have <laughs> gut brain. Their brain is a gut brain, right, and a primitive autonomic nervous system. So uh, <clears throat> when you look at what a tube of, of muscle, because that's basically what a worm is, yeah. has to do, it, it gets complex enough, you know, when you get uh, single cells and bunching together and finally evolving a multicellular organism that's <laughs> a tube-like structure. The tube-like structure has a mouth at one end, the opposite of a mouth at the other end, you know, at the bum end. <laughs> And, uh, and, and muscle. And the nervous system has to do three things, which is so the gut brain has to do three things. It has to detect danger or um, opportunity in the environment, not threat or opportunity in the environment. So monitor the environment. So it has what to, to avoid and what to... Yeah, exactly. So yep. the next step has to go, well, then it has to do motility. It has to move those muscles to move towards opportunity, like a sexy sea slug or something else to eat, or away from danger and threat, right? Uh, and then once it's found something that, that's an opportunity it needs to ingest, it needs to be able to, as it takes molecules in that mouth end, it needs to have to say, well, what's me? What's self <laughs> and not self? Should I absorb this molecule into me or should I excrete this molecule out of me? <laughs> should this form part of me or not me? So it's a core visceral self, this sense of deep core self. And this is validated by the, the autonomic neuroscience research on what they've found in this insular and ac area, this you know, deep limbic autonomic map of yourself, that there's this thing called the core visceral self. Right? And this core self is, is a representation of the whole of you, both extraceptively, wow. that is somatically, and interoceptively. So at the very gut level, there is this gut sense. Your gut brain handles, mm-hmm. it's 500 million neurons, handles... And that's why when people are, are threatened with something that is s- totally not fitting with their self-identity or self-image, yep. they'll literally be made sick to the stomach. Their yep. gut brain will try and they'll the, literally the, the term, uh, the say, term, I can't swallow that idea, man. You know, <laughs> the term shit yourself comes it. to mind. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm so, yeah, it, this is such a threat to me, I shat myself, right? And yep. so yeah, um, <laughs> if something's really semantically threatening you, threatening you, you'll say it gives you the shits. Yep. Uh, etc. So it's called scatological marking. Animals do it. They actually use the end point of their gut brain to scatter. <laughs> Such a nice around. way of putting it. The in, the the end point of your gut brain. I like that. That's what they, they're still <laughs> every gut brain. The gut brain runs from the mouth, the tongue, yep. to the anus, and so the gut brain is putting boundary markers around, and we, we do the same thing, wow. and we say people are giving us the shits semantically, right? You know, yep. somebody's transgressing on your semantic boundaries. You know, you're the head of marketing, and someone from manufacturing starts coming telling you how you should do marketing. You say <laughs> in the meeting, you know, like, literally, even if you don't say this, you'll be thinking it. This person's, you know, transgressing my boundaries. They're starting to give me the shits, <laughs> and and if they piss me off enough, I'll want to beat the shit, shit out of them. 
Fantastic. Right? And so <laughs> well, not fantastic, but linguistic comes out of scatological marking, which is representation of the gut brain and its prime functions. So the gut brain is all about, you know, in, in a human, the gut brain, the enteric nervous system, is the brain of a sea slug. In fact, the, the you <laughs> know, Professor Gershon and his colleagues use uh, Plesia californica, one of the, the, the core um, sea slugs, to do their research work on the enteric nervous system because it is basically a tube of muscle with a gut brain. And uh, mm. it has big nerves, so they can stick electrodes in it. So it's what they use in the, in the labs to do a lot of their discoveries on how the, the gut brain works. Um, so in humans, that, that's what's going on. And so if you think about the ideas of uh, monitoring threat and safety, and when yeah. we, f- we feel under threat, we feel it in the gut. That's where we feel butterflies, mm. you know, sick, feeling in the stomach. And um, uh, in order to overcome that and to take action, motility, yeah. movement, take action, um, to... to be who you are, your core self, then you actually need what? To overcome fear, you need courage. And so gutsy courage. Mm. Gutsy courage is the highest Guts. expression yeah. of the gut. So compre- compassion for the heart, creativity for the head, and courage for the gut. Fantastic. Now, there's really interesting stuff about the highest expressions. They're integrative. They need each other. Mm. They, they represent the whole of you. The, the whole of you. I best don't even need me. to ask questions. That was going to be my next one. This is fantastic. Keep, keep going. <laughs> the whole of you, best meaning, right? So, if you you can do a form of compassion that the Buddhists call dumb compassion, it actually makes things worse. It creates codependencies, right? Yep. You're trying to leave out suffering, but you're doing it in an uncreative way, in a dumb way. Okay. Called dumb compassion. It's not wise compassion. Wise compassion requires that you not just have those feelings of, of connection and caring and wanting to alleviate suffering and add value, but you do so in a creative way that actually increases the ecology in the person's life. It's a wise way of, of being for the person. So you help them, you know, just give them a fish because they're hungry. You teach them, you know, how to fish or actually hopefully you teach them more than how to fish. You teach them how to learn about, you know, uh, growing food and eating a good diet and hunting, uh, you know, et cetera. So that you don't just give them a fish every time because every time they're hungry, you give them a fish with great heart, exactly. compassion but no creativity, then you actually lock them into feeling bad about themselves. They have bad self-esteem because they've got to come to you for you to solve their so problem. sharing That's, wisdom. Yeah, wisdoming, right? Mm. So, so compassion has to drive – like creativity without compassion – this is where they're integrated, right? Creativity without compassion can be very, very toxic. Hitler was creative. You look at what Hitler did in mm. galvanizing the German people, right? You can't say they didn't have courage. They did. You can't say the German people didn't have creativity. Oh, my God, they, they invented rockets and all yeah. sorts of things, exactly. right? But it was all in the service of destroying in-group, out-group. They were only doing it for the Aryan race, and they wanted to destroy anyone else. So they had values for themselves and, and, and their people, yep. but it wasn't deep compassion that had, saw all humans as connected. They treated other humans as dogs and animals, and that's the way they literally would express that, right? So, so you need for wise um, creativity, you need to guide it by compassion. So there's a mm. sequence. We call it in the foundational sequence. And if you look at true leadership across the planet as compared to pseudo-leadership, people in authority positions. True, yeah. Right, we, we call it, you know, true wise leadership, right? Authentic yep. leadership. Yeah. If you want that true wise authentic leadership, something when you go, you see somebody, you go, they're a true leader. Not somebody who's a toxic leader like Hitler was that galvanized a lot of people. Not someone in an authority position because they've been uh, mm, put up through the management chains and they're in this, this. But somebody who's operating, you go, there, you know, there's a Mother Teresa, there's a Gandhi, there's mm. a Nelson Mandela, there's somebody you look at them and you go, wow, you know, that's the highest expression of leadership. Wow. Uh, they start with the heart. The heart leads. They start with the heart. And from that place of compassion, of connection, of valuing, that guides the creativity. By the way, there's a huge amount of research um, by Professor Dan Ariely and his colleagues in in the field of neuroeconomics, behavioral economics, that uh, has shown that if you increase creativity alone, and there are exercises and, and techniques you can use just to increase creativity, when you increase creativity in normal people, it leads to increases in antisocial behavior in cheating, stealing, and lying. We've got research after research on this, <laughs> showing that normal people will start cheating and lying if you just get them to be more creative. Because creativity alone, not guided by compassion, mm. you know, is dangerous. That is fantastic. So I'm guessing uh, there's, there's a, other, a lowest expression of each of these as well, or, uh, many, they're, they're or many low expressions. Yeah, there absolutely is. And by the way, these things, um, we've known about these high expressions. After I did the research and out of the data yeah. come here, these, these three Cs, compassion, creativity, and courage, right? Um, what I actually recognized, were, I had seen those before somewhere. 
And I went looking through all my notes and you know, I eventually found this piece of paper from 10 years before I'd summarized. Uh, I'd been reading about the Tibetan Bonpo, the, the Bon religion. It's the mm. religion that predates Buddhism in Tibet. It's got a recorded history that goes back over 6,000 years, right, up to 14,000 years. And uh, I, I discovered this piece of paper stacked in amongst my, my um, notes, and it was that. Uh, I don't know whether you can see that. Wow. But it's the scribble notes that, that I made fantastic. 10 years before I uh, the, the out, well, <laughs> cohered out of the data right, three C's. of neuroscience was these three Cs. Um, the Bonpo said that if you want to, to have lived a truly wise life, this is why I wrote this 3C model down, right? Um, truly wise life, you needed to master three competencies. Those were compassion, creativity, and courage. Fantastic. And, of course, when you operate out of those, now they need, they're integrative cross-autonomic uh, you know, mode or autonomic nervous system. Mm -hmm. They need you to operate in coherence. They don't operate when you're in stress. It's really hard to be creative. In fact, all the research on creativity yeah. shows that when people are stressed, it downregulates creativity. Oh, right? yeah. When people are depressed, it downregulates creativity. I can relate to that. I know that I need uh, plenty of headspace or plenty of um, relaxation time to truly be effective and, and truly be creative in my work. Yeah. You need to get into flow states. Now, by yeah. the way, another word for flow is coherence. And 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 <laughs> the autonomic nervous system um, with its sympathetic parasympathetic innovates the, the sympathetic nervous system, connects with and innovates the right hemisphere of the head brain and the parasympathetic, the left hemisphere of the head brain. When you're in flow, you're using both hemispheres in beautiful balance, in synchrony, right? Dancing together. Well, that's because the autonomic nervous system, which is connecting with and influencing the two hemispheres, when you're in coherence in the autonomic nervous system, you're getting left and right hemispheres working together across the corpus callosum. You get them two working coherently in balance. If you go into stress, you end up in right hemisphere mode, and that's where you do a lot of the what's called survival emotions. So you get a lot of the you know fear and anxiety and stuff in the right hemisphere. By the way, babies pop out of the womb, right hemisphere and sympathetic nervous system dominant mm. because it's a survival mechanism. That's why a baby will be much quicker to uh, to get upset and cry and go to anger yep. than it will be to pacify. It takes Probably the to parents pacify. too due to sleep deprivation. Uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we, are, we remain uh, sympathetic dominant, majority of us. Some people end up deeply parasympathetic dominant because a lot of it's to do with what happens in the first two years of your life. And in, in the connection between the mother and the baby, well, you know, the parents and the baby, yeah. but largely the mother and the baby, in the mother-child dyad bonding, it influences the growth of the autonomic nervous system, the pairing away of the neurons of the oversympathetic dominance, yeah. which they pop out with, and the growth of the vagus nerve and the left hemisphere um, interaction with that actually is unmyelinated when the baby's born, mm. and the myelin needs to grow through neuroplasticity. Fantastic. So, um, so each of us has a propensity or, or um, preferred mode and reactivity in our, in our autonomic space, how we move through mm. autonomic space. And that is set largely within the first two years of our life by our life experience, From you know, certainly within the first four years of our life. And that's then measurable in longitudinal studies mm. in the Big Five personality test. Your personality is linked to how your myelin and how your autonomic nervous system through neuroplasticity yeah. expressed itself and then how your left and right hemispheres did and how your heart and gut brain did. And so it's not fixed in concrete. That's the beautiful message. Yeah. You know, the beautiful message is that whilst it is all typically somewhat fixed, as in but the first four years it sets the ground, it only sets the ground because it sets patterns of behavior, habits. And then when you live into those habits, you keep firing the same neurons, neurons that fire together, wire together, neurons that are mm. out of sync, unlink. Yep. So if you unlink the neurons, if you get them to fire out of sync, you can actually pair away neuronal connections Right, dendrites, synapses that you you don't need to use. You can learn new behaviors. You actually can shift your autonomic mode. You can shift how your heart and gut brain works. You can grow new neurons in the heart, new neurons and neural connections in the gut. Right. So basically, you've this got a you've got an opportunity to reinvent yourself to do your best. Me. Yes. This is what it, where, <laughs> this is what it comes down to. Literally, what you're doing is like so. Every time you operate from compassion first, the heart leads, then creativity. Compassion guides to creativity. Uh, by the way, there's research to show that if you get people in, in both labs and organizations to increase pro-social behavior, that is, you know, compassion, kindness, connection, empathy, you get people to do exercises that are known to do that in teams, it naturally increases innovation and creativity in the organization and, and wow. in the lab. So if you want increased creativity and the wise form of it, don't focus on creativity. Focus on kindness, connection, and compassion, the highest expression of the heart. It will, because it's integrative, if you're doing it coherently in autonomic balance, 
it will naturally bring forth the, the natural creativity of your head brain. Mm. From this place, using the heart and head, compassion, guided creativity, is that creativity to go down to the gut, to get that link to who you truly are, that gutsy action. Mm. Now, all of this needs to be done in autonomic balance. How you influence the autonomic nervous system is through breathing. Yes, and guided that's that. The next question is tools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, breath being one of those really effective tools. That's one of the that's practical right. things I took away from the MBIT cert actually was um, how breathing patterns can influence the ANS state and uh, the and thereby the, the brains integration of the multiple brains. Yes. Yeah. Could you talk us when through that? In, absolutely. So when you're in a stress, let's just touch on this. When you're in a stress state, right? The, the three brains aren't communicating in their most adaptive, integrative way. They, they sort of shut down. They start screaming at one another. And the, that influences the autonomic nervous system more, which is, goes into a, you know, sort of a, a more of an amplifying screaming mode. Mm -hmm. And you get this runaway spiral, and you can see that in people, right? Uh, where, equally, the opposite is when you're depressed, it shuts things down, and then they don't communicate, and the brains go into a very maladaptive place, including you know, the gut brain will stop digesting food, and it goes into like a hibernation state, right? Mm. Yep. It's all about, um, you know, it, was, it felt like it was an environment that it couldn't fight or flight from, so it shut down. Passive-aggressive is a version of this, you know, mm. um, old version of this that you see in organizations and, and yes. relationships. Yes. So if you want to be in the most adaptive place, now the interesting thing is that the autonomic nervous system influences heart rate and breathing. And the uh, diaphragm is a point of co-innovation between the somatic system, the head brain, the autonomic nervous system, and the enteric nervous system. So when you are breathing in deep diaphragmatic breathing, uh, when you breathe in, the, uh, the there are baroreceptors in the carotids and in your mm -hmm. chest yep. uh, that detect the pressure change. And so whenever you breathe in, it actually does a small amount of sympathetic dominance or increases heart rate. So it increases heart rate, getting you ready for fight and flight. It's increasing the oxygen in case your muscles need that, and it sets your sympathetic nervous system, the whole neuroception, into a small amount of, of you know, um, be prepared for sympathetic, mm. you know, be sympathetic dominant. By the way, uh, on those sorts of in breaths, they've found that um, if they if they present to you, uh, you know, um, things that are uh, they want you to memorize in a lab, and they present them on an in breath versus an out breath. Those those things they want you to remember that have uh, uh, fear or anger related, so emotional wow. components like just pick pictures and get you to. So it really changes and, your you know, filters. Come in three days later, and we want you to you know look at pictures and say which ones you remember having already looked at. If they were fearful based pictures and they presented to you them to you on the in breath, mm. you will be able to significantly remember them better on the in breath than the out breath, mm. which is really interesting. And it even goes down to um, oh. at the heart at the heartbeat on on the systole versus the you know the, the so the, the actual um, beating of the heart versus the the non the, wow. the, the relaxed heart um, diastole so uh, so it's really fascinating the in connection between the heart brain and the head brain the influence of breathing on this autonomic and therefore memory you know and um, decision making etc every time you breathe in you're while you're breathing in you've got sympathetic dominance Every time you breathe out, it's parasympathetic dominance. It's the opposite. So you know, if if somebody suddenly came, and I'd like to put the listeners to think about this, if somebody jumped in through it, you know, if there's a door over somewhere in the room you're in, there will be wherever you are. Yep. If somebody, yep, <laughs> somebody suddenly came in that door screaming, holding a knife, the first thing physiologically you're likely to do is <gasps> you'll do a big yep. in breath. Right? You won't. Nobody uh, in that situation would go. <laughs> <laughs> They wouldn't do a big out breath, right? And, and every time I do that, people find it. They do what you're doing, laughing, right? They find it funny because phys neurophysiologically, it's right. You feel it. Kind of feels. Like, oh yeah, if you did that, that's yeah. weird, and that you know, yeah, that creates cognitive distance, relative distance. You laugh. So, in a danger situation, you do a big in breath. It's it's your unconscious mind, your mind body system's way of knowing this is a danger. Go into sympathetic dominance. It'll put you in the most optimal state. Big in breath does that. Now, when the danger's passed, or you realize it was actually a friend with a scary rubber mask and a scary you know, rubber hmm. knife. Right, it's actually no, it was it was you. Yep. You do the big ego. Yeah. At the end of a, a, a tense <laughs> meeting, at the end of a long day, we all go. <sighs> we take a step in the door and. <sighs> exactly. Yeah. Big long out breath, because unconsciously we know that the long out breath is a long mm. parasympathetic stimulation. 
right? It's releasing the diaphragm. Yep. It's, it's actually stimulating the parasympathetic arm releasing. So basically the, the ratio of breath in to out directly influences so, oh, ANS. Spot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if sympathetic in breath is sympathetic, out breath is parasympathetic. Then the ratio of in breath to out breath duration sets the overall mode. So most people aren't aware of this. But if they if they were tracking their breathing, and this is part of what mindfulness training and practice does, it gets you to yeah. notice the patterns of your breathing. They don't actually go to the specificity that in bit mindfulness we do, which is to notice the the, the actual duration of in breath to out breath, right, and where you're breathing in your chest because diaphragmatic and lower in the lungs has more mm-hmm. parasympathetic. Yeah. Higher in the chest has more sympathetic nerves. So depending on whether you're breathing high in your chest, which is not a healthy way to breathe because it increases sympathetic dominance. Yeah. But if you start to notice, you imagine if you're in a stressful environment, you've got the deadlines there, uh, hmm. going, 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 going all day. If you were tracking it or you had a measuring device to track it, you'd find that your in-breath would be longer than your out-breath. It might only be by you know, a quarter of a second, half a second. But if you are breathing slightly like a, a six second in and only a five second out and you do that consistently throughout the day it amps up your sympathetic dominance amps up the sympathetic nervous system and down regulates the parasympathetic mm. nervous which kicks in your adrenal glands your adrenals will be blowing dust in no time yeah exactly mm. and uh, <laughs> and it's unconsciously the way we in order to cope with this semantic stress of time frames and kpis and lots of information and mm. you know what trying to track all the bits and pieces of the puzzle and what you do for a living while you're doing all that, in order to do it, you amp up, you know, you yep. want to amp up your sympathetic nervous system to be able to cope, your energy levels. And in order to do that, you end up shifting your breathing, breathing slightly more on the end. You go home, you've still got this habitual breathing pattern. Mm-hmm. Now you're trying to relax, but you can't. You've done your big out breath, but you're still sitting there watching TV. TV so, yeah, it comes back to the whole nerves that fire together, why together, doesn't it? Exactly. It a you've built this propensity or pattern, right? you built through neuroplasticity, you're keeping – you know yourself the same even though you're trying to change and that's one of the dangers of neuroplasticity mm. it can change things really quickly mm. but as you know the, the grandfather of the good neuroplasticity research says um you know he, he says that uh, neuroplasticity can keep things the same because you can change to stay the same it's got this adaptive build adaptive change so it just keeps adapting and changing mm. keep things the same the pattern the same so, so nice, once you a nice tool, yeah sorry a nice a nice tool would be um for someone who is living in that sympathetic nervous system state, just to take five minutes out in the middle of the day to to do some um, some slow breathing or some slow breathing out. So say, yes, exactly. what, would it, what would it look like? Say four seconds breath in, six yeah, seconds that, breath out. Yeah, and that's out. exactly what we reckon. Yeah. What, what we recommend, it doesn't even need to be five minutes. Literally, if you hook someone up to a, a heart rate variability biofeedback mm, system great and tool. measure what's going on, yeah, I highly recommend there's numerous ones on the market. You know, mm. we, we usually use the HeartMath one because I really like its interface, et cetera. But, you know, I've got, I own several of these of different brands and manufacturers. It's They're fascinating all to watch. Oh, it's brilliant. But yeah. within two minutes, you can get your, if, you know, with a bit of practice, you, that's literally all it takes. Get two into minutes. a coherent state. Go into coherent state. So mm. what you need to do is you start with counterbalancing. Called autonomic counterbalancing. We talk about this in our book, Embraining, if you want to yep. know more about this. Yeah. Auto- autonomic counterbalancing, uh, where you start off, so if you're in a stressful environment, you know, you self-calibrate, you go, gee, I'm, I'm really sympathetic dominant. By the way, there are, you know, as you know, Carl, there are neurobiological correlates of these, right? You get mm. actually, there are indicators of when you're in sympathetic or parasympathetic or someone else is in sympathetic or parasympathetic. Yeah, of course. And we've got those listed out, you know, you can actually see what are the, 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 Bits to calibrate. What yep. would you see in yourself when you're sympathetic dominant or parasympathetic dominant? We've got those lists nicely summarized in M-Braining. So you can literally go, oh, I'm in sympathetic dominant state, so I'll counterbalance. I'll start by breathing four seconds in, six seconds out, right? which would be a small in-breath, small sympathetic, long out-breath, mm-hmm. parasympathetic. It'll shift your state. Do that for a minute, a minute and a half, and then shift to six seconds in, Six seconds out. So coherence. And breath that goes for six seconds and out breath. So you start off counterbalancing, then you yeah. move to coherence. Because you actually want to learn to operate. You want to train yeah. your nervous system, your neuroplasticity, to operate from a place of beautiful it's, coherence. It's been one of the most useful tools done. for me as a as a trainer or a health practitioner. Um, an evening session. So if I'm I'm taking an evening class or a personal training session and I know they're in you know, adrenal mode or um, you know, sympathetic yeah, nervous yeah. system mode. So I'll just put aside five minutes at the end. We'll do some exact uh, breathing technique like you just talked about, and then we'll do some coherent breathing just to get them back into you know calm mode. Yeah. Uh, as we know, you know, we're not designed to exist in sympathetic nervous system mode in the evening. 
you know, it's time to wind down. So I found it exactly. a really useful tool and I can take some people from, you know, very, very, very high functioning, um, wound up sympathetic nervous system state into a state where they almost feel like they want to go to bed, which they probably should yeah. be a lot of the time yeah, at exactly. that time of the evening. Yeah. So it's a very, yeah. very useful tool. And I'd recommend everyone uh, look that up, read Grant's book um, or look at some of his blog posts on it. It's really fascinating. Yeah, we've got a bunch of talks I've done with experts from all around the world on all sorts of things to do with uh, the head, heart, gut, autonomic nervous system, yep. you know, decision-making, health, yeah. etc. Well, gut I haven't health. actually shared my, my experience yet. So I did the, the um, practitioner course, which I thought was fascinating, of course. And um, I had a really interesting experience myself. So for me, it guided two or three really, really big decisions in my life at that time. So... I had some big life decisions, some big uh, work decisions to make, personal decisions, and I got stuck in this cycle. I think uh, you referred to it as a neural integrative loop, where I was making most of my decisions uh, with my head, avoiding my heart, and going straight to my, my gut. So I was acting on things based on what I thought should happen, and I wasn't accessing what I felt. Is that is that right? Is that a correct way yeah. of, of putting it? Yeah. And I was, I was making all these decisions that weren't getting me anywhere. In fact, it was leading, uh, I was in a state of disharmony, I guess, or dysfunction. As soon as I lied, I couldn't, be, I couldn't believe the profound effect this had on me. And I got talked through the, the process. This was over a couple of days. And the decisions I had to make just became so clear. And it literally felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And I quite often reference um, these techniques when I need to make big decisions and small decisions. Um, so I can vouch for the, the practical practicality of, of your teachings. I think it's fantastic. And I'll continue to lose, uh, use this as well. And I think I'm a little bit more intuitive to these three brains now. So I think even on a con uh, unconscious or subconscious level, I make uh, wiser decisions as a result. Is that a common pattern you see? Um, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, that's, that's exactly what we find. The people who go through our trainings, uh, and we have a two-day one, which is uh, where you, you get guided into being the, you know, the highest expression of you and, get, mm -hmm. and be able to really have that we call the one taste, the one taste of the authentic you of really connecting. Because a lot of people in our Western world are not completely connected. They don't feel really authentic. Mm -hmm. Because at schools and everything, we're taught to disconnect from this beautiful intelligence we're taught that the heart's just a bloody pump and you know the the gut's just some stinky plumbing right yeah. you know, food in one end smelly stuff out the other <laughs> when in fact it's this amazing set of neural intelligence that is, forms a deep part of you or yeah. youing yeah. right and, yep. you, and so to be the best you uh, to get that one taste of them to come into autonomic balance yeah and then tap into the highest expression of you at the heart, Great. head, and gut level. And so we find that once people do that, once they've had that one taste, they wanted, they, they know how yep. now, they're taught how, and they want to know, you know, um, more about their, their deep self. They start getting, therefore, they start trusting and listening to mm -hmm. their self because they've been tapped into it and they start to honor these parts, these yes. beautiful parts themselves. And so it's called inter interoceptive awareness or interoceptive awareness. Once it starts, it, neuroplasticity means that neurons firing together. Once you start listening to your heart, you'll listen, you know, the neurons will fire together. You'll start making your more neural connections. Uh, fascinating research. They actually took um, cadavers and took the heart brains out, took the hearts and mm. set, froze them and sectioned them and counted yep. the number of neurons in the heart brains. Wow. And they did it for different aged, you know, people who are like two years of age who died at the age of two all the way through to, you know, 80-year-olds. And they found that what happens typically is that as we age, the majority of people Hmm. Their heart, the number of neurons in their heart brain decreases, but not in everybody. They found some 70-year-olds who had as many neurons in their heart brains as a two-year-old. Wow. And I would think that we would see those people who go, they were young at heart. They had a real uh, you know, joy of life. They really were. Yeah, yeah. You know, they had that curiosity of a child, the wild yeah. curiosity. They were still young at heart. Right? I would this. have to vouch for that. I mean, in terms of um, behavior expression, I, I train... Uh, a 95 year old uh, man a gentleman such a pleasure to to work mm. with very very compassionate um very creative as well and very intelligent um, yeah. he's he's a fantastic human and i can talk to him uh on every single level and we have we have a lot of play he throws the odd um the odd jab at me and he shows me his yeah. boxing techniques uh, <laughs> so he keeps me yeah. on my toes uh, uh you're a fantastic guy and um 
Yeah, he shared a lot of wisdom with me as well. So he's obviously very empathetic. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's and so each of us can do that. And the best, you know, if we're we're best mean, the more we connect into our heart, the more we have that experience. You know, the more we whether whether you go and you know download some of the free MP3s on embraining.com. By the way, you know, um, it embraining stands for M for multiple because we have multiple brains. Mm. We didn't want to say three brains because there's some there's research showing that there were number of brains. You told me there's more brain. on the boil as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some research showing that there's a sex brain. You know, not, I'm Makes sure sense. that wouldn't surprise um, <laughs> you know, anybody really that we have a sexual intelligence yeah. and we have you know, a whole sex center. And, and these things actually link up with the chakra system. You know, yep. There's thousands it's of just years. just different ways of communicating the same message, message, isn't it? Exactly. It was, not, you know, that was discovered practically through through you know primitive science and now modern neuroscience is starting to validate these mm-hmm. ancient wisdom traditions so you know i i do think that um yeah whether you go and get you know, m brain and ing because the brain yep. thinks changes itself and multiple we have multiple brains and yep. they all through neuroplasticity change themselves so m braining is the book and mbraining.com is our website um yep. and uh if you go, there's lots of free yeah, MP3s and, and breathing pacer. This is the stuff that actually tool. used to, to does a Tibetan bell every six seconds, so you can use it to to pace your breathing and do this. You know, mm-hmm. um, there are recorded exercises that guided visualization, which adds to it. So whether you do it that way, or whether you come and get coached by someone like yourself, who's who's you know an MBIT coach and and uses MBIT as you you know in all of the stuff you're doing. Mm. Um, or whether you uh, come to a course, um, you know, our, our friend, someone like our friend Mel Winnie, who, you know, you oh, went to Mel's, amazing Mel Winnie, yeah. went to Mel's uh, MBIT coach cert or one of his evolved two-day programs, the, which, or just grab the book and read it. But whichever way you go, if you want to live the best you, if you want to get the best life, you need to bring all of you to the game. To bring all of you to the yes. game means you've got to bring your autonomic nervous system and your three core intelligences, your three souls, your three, you know, core uh, brains, which is head, heart, and gut, into the game. Science now tells us what, how they work, how to connect and align them, mm. and, and you know, how to communicate with them. Just grab, you know, that knowledge and start living into it. Once you do that, you'll find your decisions start getting wiser. Yep. And your relationships, therefore. And so this inward-outward focus shifts the, your levels of purpose, meaning joy, and, and wellness in So uh, it starts with you have to tap into who you truly are. That's great. And, and you're more than just a head brain. <laughs> yes. Well, that um, I was going to say, where can people find you and what are you working on at the moment? You covered most of that. Is there anything else you'd like to yeah. add to that? Uh, well, the only thing I'd say is uh, one of the things I am working on at the moment is is actually around the, the notion of you know getting more out of life is about embodied vitality. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually going to Italy to in June to run a workshop for the first time um, it's being presented uh, at, for the general public um, on and it's based on the, the latest autonomic neuroscience uh, it's based on deep insights into uh, embodied mindfulness and it brings embraining positive psychology NLP all of these methodologies uh, together to produce a very practical pragmatic way of how do you work with this neuroceptive intelligence you know, how do you work with the insula in your head brain? Wow. What actually influences that? Scientifically documented. Yep. And so specific practices that allow you to start uh, living, you know, not just becoming aware of your heart and gut from the head, yep. but living from the heart, living mm. from the gut, and living in every cell so that you bring vitality. So ra- rather than just surviving, thriving. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, if, so if anyone's interested uh, to come along, it's going to be an amazing uh, week in Umbria, in Italy. Uh, it's, it's a stunning place at Villa Zuccheri. It's absolutely beautiful. It's going to be workshops in the morning. In the afternoon, we're going to go on all sorts of things like truffle hunts and wow. winery tours and, you know. Um, Some good soul food. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, go to a CC, you know, um, and... And so there'll be some amazing, it's just an amazing holiday whilst getting to come and play with the latest uh, autonomic neuroscience that's right. practically like your like life. So my cup of tea. There's my little <laughs> ad. I'll attach. Uh, yeah, Carlo, come up. <laughs> you and Mel should come across to Italy. That sounds amazing. Um, I'll, I'll attach all this to the show notes, guys, so uh, make sure you go and check that out. I've got one more question for you. Um, if you could inject the entire planet um, or infiltrate the brains of the entire entire planet. What message or what piece of information would you pass on? 
Yeah, so uh, it's really the core of, of MBIM, which is uh, the message I would like everyone you know, to live from is a, is a consciousness, a way of being that is, brings the human spirit alive. So, and that is that if from the minute they wake up in the morning, the minute they lay their head down at night in bed, if in every moment, like literally before, and this is what I do now since, since you know, MBIT organized my life, um, since these insights, you know, changed the way my brains uh, work together, is it just I breathe six seconds in, six seconds out for a short moment, mm-hmm. literally, just a few breaths now, um, brings me an autonomic balance. From this, place, from this place, I just ask myself, what's the most compassionate, creative, and courageous me that I could be and do? So if I could just get every human on the planet in every moment and every decision to go, as I make this decision, micro and macro, what's the most compassionate, creative, and courageous me that I could be and do right now? And from that place, guided by that sequence, compassion, leading the creativity, leading the courage, the world Beautiful. would change. would start living in, a, in wiser ways. And, and that would be, I think, that we'd see an amazingly different world than we're seeing right now. When we look at the yes. media and some of the uh, unsane stuff that's happening across, you know, the world <laughs> and, uh, and 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 various countries, some very strong gut-driven gut leadership. Um, there's some gut-driven leadership. There's not a lot of there's a lot of in-group, out-group. You know, us versus not much them. Compassion. There's there's not much compassion, and there's there's just mostly um, coming from a place of courage. There's no question. There's a gut-driven gut-driven courage, but courage, wise courage, requires that it be guided by compassion and creativity. And, um, and, and, and so I just, you know, I think we'd see very different leadership. We'd see people responding differently and we'd see humans connecting together in, in ways that would, would, you know, solve the issues of terrorism and stuff that are not about building bigger walls mm-hmm. and bigger boundaries and more separation because boundaries and walls and fear never solved problems. It just created more. That is fantastic. What a way to go out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you yeah, so, so much, I'm Grant. I'm glad I get taken out for that. Is brilliant. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, my my miss my my, my uh, aim in life is to try and connect people together more and and to to get us to to work wisely together and and to lead our lives wisely. We're yeah. all leaders, every yeah. one of us. So, so uh, thanks for your time, everyone, and thanks, Carl, for being uh, co- you know compassionately and passionately <laughs> interested in in sharing Mbit with the world and you, my friend. I look forward to the next uh, tramp we might yes. do. Come up to Italy and we'll go tramping. I uh, would love that. I am looking forward to talking to you afterwards. <laughs> um, thanks awesome. for joining us, guys, and please check out the show notes. I'll write down the, the gold nuggets from that conversation, which there are plenty. I've still got a lot of questions to ask Grant, so maybe we'll have him back later. So please um, let us know how this okay. goes, guys, Come and up. make sure you tap into the resources provided. Thanks again, Grant. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, everyone. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.